Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. And wasn't that worship good? Come on, I'm so thankful for our worship team and all of our production people. Come on, you guys don't know what they go through behind the scenes. And so thank you guys for how you serve and uh, how you make everything look so easy. Come on, isn't it good to make things look easy? Um, God is good. We're in a series called Anchored, and we do have a lot happening. Tonight is team night. If you're interested in go- on getting on one of our teams, we'd love you to come tonight and just hear about teams. We're going to have a celebration. We've got some surprises, some food trucks, some giveaways. It's going to be fun. We like to celebrate as a team. We say it all the time. We have a wide open team culture. And so maybe you're here and you're like, well, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know how to get on a team or if they want me on a team. We have a wide open circle. Come on, a wide open culture. So tonight is a great time to come find out about that. And then uh, this weekend or, or Saturday is going to be Serve Knock Saturday. We've got about five or six projects. And we had a great one last month. We're going to do it every month. And so I think it's important that we're going to be the church, right? We don't just come to church. I think that it's good to go out and be the church in our community. Uh, and I, I just I love a church that does that. And so I'm so proud of you guys for going out and uh, really serving. We're going to jump into the word. We're in a series called Anchored. And we've been looking at the book of Hebrews. And uh, today I actually get into the thought in Hebrews chapter 6 where we get the title Anchored from. Uh, Paul talks about an anchor of our soul. Um, but, but we've looked at... Um, really the Hebrew Christians had began to stray back. They'd been believers for 30 years, and they began to stray back to temple worship or back to old systems. They, they got saved. They believed in Christ, but they'd been going through persecution. They'd been going through some discouragement. Uh, they actually had their goods and resources stolen um, as Christians in that community. And so they were uh, very discouraged, and they thought they'd missed the return of Christ And so they began to get, you know, just sluggish in their faith. And so Paul writes this book to encourage them and to tell them, don't turn back to Judaism. Don't turn back to temple worship. Don't turn back to some other system to try to get fulfillment in your life. How many times do we turn back to another system? We come to Christ, but we can get discouraged. We can go through certain things in life. And it's easy to turn back to things to try to get fulfillment or freedom in life. And and Paul says the only thing, chapter 1, the only thing that's superior is Jesus. The only thing that's supreme is is Jesus. The only thing sufficient is Jesus. He's over the law. He's over Moses. He's he's supreme to everything. Chapter 2, we talk about Jesus was a man. He, he is all God but all man, and therefore, since he's a man, he can understand what you're going through. As a man or woman, he can understand the sufferings, and he can sympathize, so therefore, he can help you. Chapter 3, we talked about not only being a man, but he's the son of God. Paul talks about him being the son, and therefore, since he's a son, you are family. You're related to him, and so you're a son. You're in the family. You can relax a little bit. God's your daddy. Come on. He's got you, and so God is our father. Uh, Chapter 4, in the light of chapter 3, you being a son or you being a daughter, you can rest. You can enter into rest, and Paul actually says strive, like work hard to rest. Like, what does that even mean? Like, it means strive harder to believe Jesus better. When everything else is pulling at your faith system, when everything else is pulling at, your, at the heartstrings of your life, strive to, to believe Jesus. And Paul summarizes the first four books of Hebrews by saying, therefore, you can constantly come boldly to a throne of grace to receive mercy and help in time of need. Aren't you so thankful you can come to the throne of grace to get mercy and help? I've heard people say, well, you can't take that sin into God's presence. Where am I, where am I going to take it? <laughs> well, you better clean up to go before God. And that, man, I got, that's the only place I can take my junk. That's the only place I can take my sin. That's the only place I can approach to get help. And so, and so I want to, to approach him. And then Paul shifts 
and begins to talk about um, in the light of being able to approach God and get help in relationship, that we mature. And, and I'm going to go through chapters 5 and 6 today, and then I hope we go back into that song we did at the end, All Praise to King Jesus, and we're going to respond at the end just to the Word of God. And so in, in 5 and 6, I'm going to skip over a couple verses, just kind of summarize. Um, at the beginning of chapter 5, Paul talks about Jesus being a high priest. And he talks about there's priests on earth that take it kind of by the call of God. And he talks about Jesus as a high priest and that Jesus didn't take that honor upon himself, that he was appointed by God as high priest. And then he goes on to say that he's a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was an Old Testament theophany. He was a priest. He showed up in the Old Testament. A theophany is someone that shows up in, in human form in the Old Testament, and it is Jesus. It was God as Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. There's several of them throughout the Old Testament. And so Paul talks about, about Jesus being uh, sufficient for our sins and the sacrifice. And he, he went through heaven and he suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's the eternal captain of our salvation. All these amazing things. And he says he's the priest in the order of Melchizedek forever. And then he says this, of whom we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. He's saying that there's an ability in your Christian life to just become dull of hearing. That you can just decide that you've heard about it and you've read about it, but you're like, yeah, I don't really get it. Uh, another pastor preached, I don't know, uh, you, uh, and you read the Bible and you're like, uh, it's not really. And it's easy to become dull of hearing. So Paul shifts and talks about this in, in, in verse 12. And this is what I want to focus on, and I'll go into chapter 6. Verse 12 says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, how, how many, can you just look at somebody today, look at somebody next to you and say, he loves me. Talking about me. Before we get started, I just need to preface it. I just need to put that out there. Say, Pastor loves me. Say, there's love in the house. <laughs> okay, this is Paul. Say, this is Paul talking. <laughs> Not PJ. Okay, this is Paul talking. I'd rather give you Paul than me. Come on, somebody. Don't take advice from anybody that hadn't lived 200 plus years, okay? This book has lived 200 plus years for centuries, eternity. You can take advice from this book. He says this, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the principles, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk, get that, only of milk, milk's not bad, but whoever partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. So, oh, wow, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm, I hit a certain age. No, 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 no. What's full age? Of those who are full age, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Paul's saying that it's time to grow up. It's time to mature. Like we're in an age today, and the Bible says in the last days they'll call evil good and good evil. That they'll mix up what's good and bad. They'll, they'll call different things the wrong thing. That's, that's a sign of the end times when people call evil good and good evil. Paul's saying that there's a lack of, of senses being exercised. It's not about a full age. It's about an ability to, to discern and, and, and decide by God's word what's right and wrong, right? My title for today is very simple. Moving on to maturity. Moving on to maturity. Everybody say, oh me. Help me, Jesus. Father, help us today. Move on to maturity. Help us to continue to grow, not about a certain age or a certain mile marker, but, a, but an ability to exercise our senses in the, in the word of God, the ability to know you and to know who you are. Lord, help us to move on today by your power. In Jesus' name, amen? 
Moving on to maturity, years ago I was a, a dean in a Bible school and um, was, was a student, a dean, pastoring, working for the school in different ways. And so this school was a, a great school in Dallas called Christ for the Nations. And there's this large student center where my office was. It was upstairs. And there was an, um, another a business office and administrative administration offices and so my office was kind of secluded so this guest speaker came in to speak to the school and he wanted to use my office a very well-known speaker he and his wife came in and uh, his wife had 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 uh, children and so they're in the foyer and and the guest speaker's using my office to pray well his wife's in the foyer and so she's nursing her child at the time and that's fine whatever and so there she's in the foyer and I'm all for that right so so uh, and I walk out in the foyer she's got the little blanket over there and so they they go to introduce me it was kind of I was like, oh, and she's sitting on the stairs. I remember she's sitting on the stairs, and, and I didn't really realize at first she's nursing, but then I, once I got closer, uh, I began to have, you know, revelation, and so I walked up. I was a little bit slow. I was, like, trying to figure it out. Come on, listen, I'll, listen I'm all for it, ladies, but it's still, we still as dudes, we're like, well, I don't know what to do, right? You know, so, so I'm just being honest. So we walk up, and I'm like, and, and so I meet her, and they introduce me to her, and then she goes, hey, Philip, meet Pastor Jamie. And this little dude, like, pops his head around the blanket. He's like, nice to meet you, sir, and then goes back under the blanket. I'm like, <laughs> this is a true story. Dude's like six years old. Listen, all I'm saying is, if your child can spell pasteurize, it's time to move on to maturity. There's this, there's, there's this awkwardness because he was so old. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying that, that you're Christians. You've been Christians that long. Like, like you're still spiritual infants. You're still needing milk. It's awkward. Like it's time that you, you really move on. It's time that I move on. It's time that we don't just be spiritual infants. Like, like, are, we still, like are you still causing temper tantrums? Paul's saying, are we still pouting when we don't get our way? Help me. Man, I got in a fight with my wife last night. Come on, somebody. Help me, Jesus. I'm human. And she said, you're mean. I said, I need Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are we still being mean? Are we still having, there's areas, as I preach today, there's areas in my life I need spiritual maturity in. I need to grow up. Are you still putting stuff in your mouth you shouldn't? Get that out of your mouth. You still touching outlets that you shouldn't? Are you still putting things in your hand? Are you still screaming to people? Are you still, what does it look like? And Paul's going, you've been Christians to these guys for 30 years and you've become dull of hearing. You can write this down, the first thought. The difference between milk and meat is maturity. It's maturity. And that doesn't mean just an age. It says this, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, verse 14. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What he's saying is that milk, as we get the word and we get the milk of the word, it's the foundational truth of God's word. It gets into our mind. It makes us strong. But then moving on to meat is where we begin to now understand the heart and discern the heart and the, the, the mind of God. And now not only do we get it in our mind, we begin to let our structure get strong from milk and we begin to exercise our life and make decisions in the right direction for righteousness and peace and joy in the things of God that we actually begin to use the word, not just mentally, but physically exercising our life. Everybody says all the time, meat. Well, I need, I just, pastor just needs more to preach more meat. We need more meat. Have you ever been to a church? Like, they just don't give, they just don't preach meat. There's just no meat there. Can I just tell you that meat is not deeper theology? That meat is not deeper sermons? That meat is you having the ability to take milk that you took from the word of God into your mind and into your soul and beginning to use that word to make decisions and act out upon the word of God. 
and discern and, and live and treat people and, and repent and forgive and heal and move on and repent and heal and forgive and be humble. And, to, you know, that's meat. And I think Paul's saying, listen, you've just needed milk, but it's time to grow up. It's time to keep on going. Imagine we want we want that little cherub baby Christianity. You know, we're just on the little fluffy cloud with the little bottle, little fat babies on the cloud. Fluffy, fat babies on the cloud. <laughs> That's not, I mean, think about that. that. How bad would that be if, you, if that was reality for our children? No, what is, what is growing? How does a, a baby drinks milk and gets strong but grows through movement, through crawling and walking and resistance and raising themselves up and standing and falling and, and healing. It's just, Paul's just saying that we get strong and mature by doing God's word i got a little illustration over here. A lot of times we think that, that milk is the goal. Milk is not the goal. And a lot of times we think that, that we say bread. Give me, give me the bread of the word. We think bread is the goal. Come on, can I just tell you that bread is not the goal? The goal of bread is not bread. Well, Jesus is the bread of life. Yes, but the goal of bread is not bread. If you came to my house for dinner today and I said, that you're like, what are we having for dinner? And I said, we having buns. <laughs> well, we got pumpernickel. We got rye. We got bun bun like that's a you know like like that's not the goal no the goal of a bun is to be a carrier of some cheese and some roast beef somebody and to make a little sandwich this the goal of bread is to be a delivery system for the meat of God for the purpose of the meal and when you get the word of God and the bread of God and the milk of God's word is so you can be a delivery system to humanity that needs a nutritious meal of spiritual food on the planet it's not just, oh, let's just get bread. Let's just hear the word. Let's just get milk. No, 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 no. Paul's saying it's time to grow up where you can actually carry some stuff, where you can be a delivery system for some stuff into your workplace. You can be a delivery system for some stuff into your home. Come on, my wife is with my daughter today, but I promise you I'm going to be a delivery system of some repentance today, somebody. <laughs> Jesus, forgive me. Baby, forgive me. I love you, right? And so, so we have to be a delivery system for God in the earth right now. If your child didn't grow, you'd call the doctor. You'd get medicine. You'd begin to go, what's up? Why is it that we're okay with Christians sitting in chairs for 30 years and not growing? I don't, I'm just saying, I don't know. I'm talking to myself. Why am I okay to not grow in certain areas when if my child didn't grow, I'd get nervous and I'd be like, oh, I'm praying and I'm fasting. If my, my child got a little hurt knee and I'm praying over it last night. You know, like there's areas of my life in your life you need to pray over and ask God, I got to grow. Am I with you? Look at somebody say, I got to grow. Look at the other person say, you getting taller already. We, Paul moves on and the whole theme of chapter 6 is really maturity. And I'm going to share a couple of controversial scriptures with you today. And um, probably the most controversial scriptures in the New Testament, two of them. And um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of my, my opinion. And uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. I'm going to give you some other theologians' opinion. Um, but, I, but you might have your own opinions about it. But I'm going to uh, just tell you what I think according to the context of the Word of God. It says this in chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, so he says, come on, we got to mature. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. The word is maturity. Let us go on to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, plural, the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will do, look at this little clause, and this will do if God permits. 
He's saying, we'll move on to maturity if God permits. That's a weird statement. I wrote it this way. It's in your notes. It says this, maturity is possible through relationship, not regulation. What do I mean by that? It says that we'll move on from these basic principles of Christianity. We'll move on and mature if God permits. It's not that God doesn't want you to mature. It's not that God doesn't want you to move on. The Bible is saying that through relationship with him, it's only possible for you to mature through strength and relationship and his resources. That I can't mature on my own. That you can't mature trying to do better. You can't mature trying to get more more morality. You can't mature trying to force your way into spiritual growth. You can only mature based on a relationship with the Father in heaven, not regulations about man. Let me, let me give it to you this way. I've got a son who's just turning 16, and uh, he's about to get his license at the end of next week. He's going to be driving. i got two now driving. Help me, God. And so this, this second one, he's a safer driver, and um, he is able to get his, his license earlier than his brother was because there's more maturity. Okay? Now, the regulation says when they hit 16 and go through their permit for six months, they can get their driver's license, but their father says they ain't ready yet. And, and their work ethic and the amount of money they save because we match them and do they have money. So, so there's this relational level of, of discernment that allows for them to move on to maturity, not just through regulation, but through actual relationship. And so that's what God's saying here, that you can move on to maturity, but it's only going to be through the power of his gift and his spirit and his relationship and his ability as you walk with him in relationship. And then, and then he goes on to probably the most controversial verse in the New Testament. When it comes to our salvation. Now again, the context is maturity. The context is not salvation. The context in chapter 6 verse 4 is maturity. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. Many people teach that if you come to Christ and you've tasted all this and then you turn away from Christ, you cannot be saved. It does not say that it's impossible to be renewed again to salvation. It says it's impossible to be renewed again to repentance. The word repentance means a change of mind, a change in maturity, a change in how you think, a change in the fruit that you produce, a change in how you want to live. And what Paul is saying is that it's impossible to be renewed to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Again, very controversial verse. But the intent of the author is to tell the Jews not to go back to temple worship. They've been discouraged and they're going back to temple worship. They've been discouraged and they're going back to legalism and law. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, if you go back to any other system besides Christ in your life to get maturity or to get a change of mind or to decide to repent or to figure out how to live for God, there's no other sacrifice and no other repentance in anything else but Christ. Then nothing else in your life can nothing else in your life can breed maturity except Jesus. And so he's saying that literally if you turn to something else, you're going to stumble and no other system can actually bring maturity into your life. He's talking about fruit and fruitfulness and mature Christian living. He's talking about being the sandwich for somebody. Come on, delivering God's message to somebody. He's eagerly concerned with our maturity in the things of God. And then he says this in verse 7. On the heels of that, he says, For the earth which drinks the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it's cultivated, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it's rejected and near to being cursed. Not cursed, near to being cursed whose end is to be burned. Well, people say, well, okay, that means hell. No, it doesn't. It, literally, look at 1 Corinthians 3.13. I, I don't believe it does. Some of you might believe it does, but what he's saying, I, I wrote this in my notes, salvation should not lead to stagnation. 
And so what Paul is saying is that there's believers that had gotten saved, tasted the power of God, had relationship, and they began to turn away from that because they were discouraged and their life wasn't going to be fruitful. And, and if you look at 1 Corinthians 3.13, it says this, for all of us, each one's work will be clear, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. What he's saying is that all of our work, we're going to stand before Jesus one day, and all of our work and all of our living and all of our doing and all of our serving is going to be tested and touched by fire. And it's just going to, it's just going to reveal really the motives of what we did. Like the fire, if it's wood, hay, and stubble, if it's, like, if it's briars and thorns, if it's not through relationship with Jesus, if it's through rules and regulations and, and I had to and all these things, if it's not relationship with God out of a heart of, of love for God, it's just going to be burnt up. Does that make sense? So Paul is eager to say, I want you to be fruitful in your life with Christ. And then he says this, verse 12. He says all this to say, well, let me back up, verse, verse 9. He, he shifts the thought. He goes like this. He goes, listen, you're, if you live this way, stuff's going to get burned up. You're not going to be able to mature. But then I love verse 9. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Through we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. Now he's addressing their heart. He's addressing why they were tempted to do what they were doing. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his saints, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those to whom faith and patience have inherited the promise. They're becoming discouraged because they, because they think God had forgot all the work they did. They think God had forgot how they'd grown and served and loved and came to church and gave money and worshiped and, and helped others. They think God forgot. And here's the, here's the risk. A lot of times we're, we're fearful that God forgot our work because we're waiting on others' approval. A lot of times we're fearful that God forgot our work because we're waiting on others' applause. Can I tell you, you don't live for somebody else's applause. You don't live for someone else's approval. We live for God's approval. And can I promise you this? God keeps really, really good records. And I know they might forgot your work. And people have a tendency to forget what you did and how you prayed and how you loved and how you give and how you forgave. And they forget, but God doesn't forget. And so he says, don't become sluggish. Don't be discouraged and think that God forgot. Don't get discouraged to become sluggish in your walk with God. How many times, listen, God knows discouragement leads to sluggishness. Anybody ever worked out for three months straight? Ate perfect? Sweat? Come on, Stephen, I went and worked out in your garage that time. Couldn't move for a month. He put me on something called an assault bike. Don't get on one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you work out, blood, sweat, and tears. You get on the scale, 1.2 pounds. Ah, God, I'm done. Discouraged, right? You're discouraged because like, you did all that work and, and all that. You know why you're discouraged? Because you're measuring by the wrong metric. The scale doesn't tell the whole story. It just tells a little bit of a pound, and you get discouraged because you're looking at the wrong metric. Many of us get discouraged because we're looking at their life and their life and, and where I used to be and where I'm not and how I want. And you're measuring your life by the wrong metric. And, yeah, you're not where you're supposed to be, but you're not where you used to be. 
don't measure. Come on, you, the, the, the scale doesn't show that my appetite's changing and that my sleep is getting better and that my mind is getting better and that my heart is getting better and my cholesterol is lowering and, lowering and I can fit into pants that I used to not fit into a little bit. Come on. When you look at someone else's life, it doesn't show that your appetite's changing and your mindset's changing and your worship is changing and you can fit into scenarios you used to lose your mind in. Now you can actually walk into that job and hold your peace and bless somebody and pray for somebody. That, that's, that's why you can't get discouraged because you can get sluggish. Verse 12, well, what do we do then? But imitate, y'all with me still? But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. But imitate those. He's saying imitate those that have been through some stuff and didn't quit. Imitate people that have walked through some fire and didn't quit. There's plenty of quitting stories. Can I tell you, you'll never find a quitting story with a promise attached to it. And what God is saying, what Paul is saying is if you don't quit, you win. If you don't stop, you win. Like, don't get sluggish. Don't get discouraged. Come on, it's easy right now to turn on the news and get discouraged. When we need Jesus, how precious was his presence in here today? We need God. We need his Holy Spirit in this hour. If you're not desperate, you better leave here desperate because you need God. I can't do it without God. We need God in this hour. There's too many problems beyond our pay grade, and we need Jesus. I would love for him to continue to pour out his spirit on this planet and cover it like the glory covers the waters. The Bible says, man, I think this is his planet, and he's concerned about us. And he's wanting us to get the word, not just milk, but the meat of his word and go out and begin to deliver and not quit. And he uses Abraham as an example of not quitting. He, about faith and patience. In verse 13, he says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, he uses him as this example. 25 years Abraham waited for the promise. Come on, 25 years. Come on, I, get, I, I pray for a, a month and get discouraged. 25 years. It says, verse 15, And so after he had patiently endured, somebody say endured, he obtained the promise. And there's some promises that only come through patience and endurance. It's like making that cake. Come on, you remember when you were little, you had to look in the, you looked in the oven every three minutes. Man, it ain't ready. <laughs> You've got to endure. You put all the ingredients out. Remember anybody ever trick you and get you to eat bitter chocolate when you thought it was sweet and you took a big old bite of the bitter chocolate? Right? Well, that's in the cake, right? We're eating the bitter stuff and going, oh, this cake's nasty. No, 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 no. You just haven't had patience to put all the ingredients together. Like we're tasting certain parts of the ingredients of our life or what God has us going through. And we're like, oh, that's gross. And God's saying, no, no, no. Let it all be mixed together. And let me put some fire on it and let it bake and let it be, be patient and let it endure. And then look what I've got to give, what I have to offer you in your life. Just, I'm just trying to tell you, don't quit. That's what Paul is trying to say. Don't give up. Don't quit. Faith and impatience. Faith and endurance will bring the promise of God. Verse 16, for men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them at the end of all dispute. Listen, let me just say this. I just heard this right now. I'm almost done. Don't let your ears go dull of hearing right now. <laughs> I know y'all aren't used to being in church all the time where you get consistent word, like we just go through chunks of the Bible. But I just, I know sometimes we don't do it like this, but don't, don't go dull of hearing on me right now. For men indeed swear by the greater, 
and an oath for confirmation is for them at the end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, that's you and I, the immutability of his counsel. That just means his counsel doesn't change. The immutability of his counsel, confirmed by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Paul makes a reference to refuge, which is out of Numbers 35, 5, and 6. It's a city of refuge. If I killed somebody by accident, their relatives could kill me, but I could run to the city of refuge and take refuge in that area. And therefore, I was safe. He's saying that you and I have this hope that's allowed to run into refuge with Jesus, and we don't have to live looking over our shoulder any longer. And that in the Old Testament, when the high priest actually died, everybody in that refuge got released and set free to live without consequence. He's saying that you and I have this refuge in Jesus that I know we might be discouraged. I know the world looks crazy. I know that you might not see everybody uh, seeing what the works that you've done and what God says you've done. And you might be a little bit tempted to get sluggish. But God's saying, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to mature. I want you to keep growing. It's going to be possible in a relationship with me. I'm here for you. We're in relationship. There's a hope that you have. It cannot change. And you can run to refuge in me and literally not live looking over your shoulder any longer. That you can live free. And that you've got this refuge. And then this is the final verse. This is where we get the title for our entire series. It says, this hope, verse 19, we have as an anchor of the soul. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Both sure and steadfast in which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner, Jesus, has entered for us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. It's some, high, it's some, it's some wild stuff. Listen to me. It says that all of this gives you an anchor for your soul in heaven. Where does a boat anchor go? It goes down. This anchor goes up. This anchor is behind the veil of God, is in the presence of God. Literally, your hope in all this, your hope and refuge in Christ is actually an anchor Anchoring you into heaven, anchoring your mind, will, and emotion, your soul, your up and down roller coaster, the way you think, act, and feel, you're anchored up. If you ever watch a mountain climber, when they anchor, they don't anchor at the base of the mountain, they anchor at the top of the mountain. Now, all of a sudden, the anchor that's up there allows them to ascend the mountain, ascend the heights, ascend the scale, to scale the face of the mountain. If storms come, if winds come, if things attack or hinder, you can actually have mobility on the edge of the mountain. If you're a boat, you're anchored down, you're stuck in one spot, baby, you can't go nowhere, just, just wade the storm out. No, no, no. We're anchored into heaven where we can actually scale the things of life and be mobile in the things of God as we watch and walk with God. You're anchored up today. Man, I want to encourage you. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to be on a roller coaster. You don't have to be sluggish. I want to go back in. Listen, we're going to worship for a second. I know I'm, man, I'm up here sweating. Come on, Jesus. I, I, just, I just don't want you to quit. I don't want to quit. I don't want you to grow sluggish. I don't want to be sluggish. I don't want to be discouraged. And I think this anchor that we have, come on, some of you I know today, I know it in all my heart as I was worshiping early on, I heard God say, some of them are discouraged. Some of you are discouraged and you're sluggish because of it, sluggish in your marriage, sluggish in your ministry, sluggish in your parenting, sluggish in your hope for your, for your career. I don't know. I think sometimes discouragement easily leads to sluggishness and God's just saying, come on, don't quit. I got you. I see you're anchored up. Let that anchor continue to pull you higher today. Would you bow your heads with me? We've got communion on both sides of these room in a second. There's four areas of communion and we're going to sing a song. And I want to pray for you if you're, 
really just needing Jesus. Maybe, maybe you've never given your life to him. Maybe he's not your anchor. Maybe you've, just, you've been living your life on your own, your own strength, your own ability. But today God's saying, you know what? Would you just surrender your life to me? Would you let me be the strength of your life? No one looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you or stand you up. But if you just say, you know what, Pastor? I need Jesus today. I need a fresh start with God. Would you put your hand up to me right now? Let me pray for you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for your boldness. I need, I need an anchor for my soul. I need Jesus. Anybody else? Come on, church. God bless you, young lady. God bless you. Father, we just pray right now. We see your hope for us, your heart for us. If you put your hand up, just pray this prayer with me. If you didn't put your heart up right now. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, you're my hope. You're my anchor. You're my God. I surrender to you today with all my life. Lord, I'm your child. I believe that you rose from the dead. Give me your strength. Give me your life. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you and worship you the rest of my days. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's respond to God in worship. Our prayer team's up here, ministry team. Our communion tables are open. Let's just worship God for another second. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.